uh, up through fifth grade. If you want to head out uh, to your classes, uh, you're welcome to do that at this time. For the rest of you, please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Acts. We're going to be in chapter 13 this morning. That's Acts chapter 13. It's a book right after John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. So uh, Acts chapter 13 is where we will be uh, this morning. It's the final week of Missions Month, believe it or not. It's coming to an end. I pray and I trust that it's been an encouragement to you. It's been challenging to you. I know I've talked to several of you who have said that. They say, you've said that really it's been a lot of things have been eye-opening for you this month. I know it has for me as well. And so, um, yeah, we're, I'm excited for what we're going to do this morning. And really, uh, what I've, we, we've been kind of what's been happening over the last uh, four weeks is that we've kind of been, we've been moving in a certain direction. And really what I've been wanting to do in some ways is build a tension within your spirit a little bit. The first week we talked about the mandate that we have in God's Word, that all the way, Genesis all the way to Revelations, really it's all about God's name being praised among every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. That's something that we see over and 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 over again in God's Word. And then the second week we talked about the message, how important it is that it is, not only that we just go to the nations, but that we get the message Right, and then last week we talked about the mission, about the fact that there are still many, many people who have yet to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And we looked in Romans chapter 15, if you'll remember from last week, we saw Paul, uh, he had the audacity to claim that the places that he had been working as a missionary, that there was no more work to do there, that he was all done, just uh, all my work as a missionary is done in these places. There's nothing left for me to do. And we said, what in the world is he talking about? Is everyone a Christian? And the answer is no but that there were local churches established in those places that he had been. So we saw that it's the local church's job to reach the community that the Lord has placed them in. That's not the missionary's job. We we don't need a missionary to come here to Tipton County because we got a whole lot of churches here in Tipton County, a whole lot of Bible-believing, gospel-preaching churches, at least a good number of them. And so we don't need a missionary to come here. That would really be an indictment on us as a church that we're not doing what we're called to do. And so Paul said there's no more work for him to be done. So it's the local church's job to reach their community, and it's the missionary's job to go to where the gospel has not been preached. And we heard from my friend Dustin was here last week. If you missed that, uh, I would highly, highly encourage you to go back and watch that interview that I had with him. It was just really powerful. I know from, I've heard from many of you that said it really spoke to you. Um, and uh, just an encouragement and a challenge to me, and just talking about not only how he sees the task before him to go, and like Paul, he feels that it is his job that God is calling him to preach Christ where Christ has not been named, but not only talking about the task, but the personal cost of discipleship, the personal cost of following Jesus, and he said that he had to get to the point where the Lord brought him almost to these like worst-case scenarios in his mind and was asking him, Am I worth it? That's a question that every single one of us as followers of Jesus needs to ask, right? Is Jesus worth it? We can think that even, well, I'm going to follow Jesus, but it's not really going to cost me anything. And the truth is that sometimes following Jesus has a great cost, but it is always, always worth it. So I was really challenged by that. But the point is that we've been kind of moving in this direction and hopefully building a little bit of, of a kind of sense of, well, what am I supposed to do about all of this? 
Like maybe you didn't even, maybe before this month you didn't even know that there were places in the world that had not heard the gospel, much less almost half the world that has yet to hear the gospel. Three billion people represented by 7,500 people groups. And so the question maybe that I hope that you've been asking is, well, what do you want me to do about this, Pastor Mike? And I've been promising that we're going to get practical. Every week I've said, I promise at the end of this we're going to get really practical and talk about some very practical steps that you can take. Well, guess what? It's time. We're finally there this morning. And so what we're going to do is uh, we're going to kind of have in three parts this morning. I'm going to share from Acts chapter 13. We're going to look at a certain church there. And then we are going to hear from another very special guest. I won't say who that is just yet to build up the anticipation for that. And then after that, I'm going to close. And I'm going to get basically as practical as Pastor Mike ever gets. And I'm going to give you just some very specific things that you can start doing right now to be a part of the gospel going out to the nations. And so we'll conclude Missions Month. At the end of the, ser- the service, we have you hopefully, did everyone get one of those cards as you walked in? Raise your hand if you didn't get a card as you walked in. I think, did we get everybody? Jason is our troublemaker. Anybody else that uh, didn't get a card? We have a couple actually here. So uh, as we, uh, if you guys could keep your hands raised really high and we'll get some cards to you. Um, but uh, that's where we're going. So at the end of the, t- of the service, we're going to have an opportunity for you to respond to all the things that we have been learning uh, this month. So all that to say, we got a lot to do here, so I'm going to pray, and if you don't have a card, Marcy's going to come in while I'm praying, and just keep your hands raised high, and she'll get them to you. Uh, but please bow your heads with me uh, as I pray. God, you're so good. Um, and thank you for all that you've shown us throughout this month, Lord, your heart for the nations, God. I just pray that we would just be a church that sees that, that understands it, and that knows more and more about what our role is to play in reaching the nation. So help us this week, Lord. Help speak to us, each, each person in here, even as we just heard from Brett talking about his um, wrestling with what is his role for him and Laura, what is their role in reaching the unreached, God. I pray that we would all have that wrestling in our hearts, that you would help us see what you're calling us to do and who you're calling us to be, God. So uh, we pray um, that all this would be for your glory and that we would be more and more faithful as your bride. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, like, like I said this morning, we are going to be uh, looking at a specific church. We're going to kind of look at the Antioch church in Acts as a case study of what it looks like to send out missionaries. The Antioch church is a really interesting church. It actually started the, from people in Jerusalem. See, right in the beginning of Acts, the Holy Spirit comes to the church in Jerusalem, and many people become believers there, and then persecution comes to that church in Jerusalem, and so they need to scatter, and so So as God's people scatter to different places, they are preaching the gospel as they go. And so there's a certain group of Christians from Jerusalem who ended up in Antioch. But just because there was persecution didn't mean they stopped preaching the gospel. And what a lesson to us as well is just because we never know what kind of persecution is going to come. But no matter what happens, it doesn't change our responsibility to continue to preach the gospel. And that's exactly what the Jerusalem church did. And that's exactly why the gospel has spread to uh, as far as it has spread even today is because the believers were faithful in persecution. So the small group of people goes from, uh, actually I don't know how big a group of people, but they went from Jerusalem to Antioch and uh, they start preaching the gospel first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. 
And uh, people are coming to the Lord in droves. They're seeing these amazing, uh, this amazing uh, response to their ministry. And it's really actually a pretty cool case study of just how a church can reach their community. If a church is being faithful in evangelism and prayer and worship and seeking the Lord, if a church is being faithful, it is amazing when God chooses to do it, what he can accomplish through a group of believers who are faithful in evangelism. So many, many people are coming to know the Lord. And Barnabas catches wind of this, and he can't believe what's going on. So he runs and gets Paul, and Paul comes back, and they spend a year discipling the Christians there at Antioch. And so uh, that's what happens. Then that's Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 12, we don't hear from them. And then we pick up with the church in Antioch again in Acts chapter 13, verse 1. And God, now they're kind of moving into a different phase of their ministry, so to speak. God has another plan for this church. So look at verse 1 with me. Let's see what happens. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. All right, so these are the people that God has called to lead the church. Verse 2, see what happens in a worship service. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So they're kind of, they're just in a worship service, odd, unlike this one, worship the Lord, fasting and praying. And uh, God says, I don't know if he says it to the prophets, if everyone heard this, I don't know exactly how he communicated, but he communicated very specifically that they were to set apart Barnabas and Saul because God had other work for them. Beyond the walls of the Antioch church, God had other work for them for them to do. So what do they do? Verse 3, then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So they were obedient to what God had called them to do. Verse 4, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. Now this is what's interesting. This is what I want us to see, this kind of interplay between verse 3 and 4. So God has said, I've got a special job for Barnabas and Saul, who's called Paul, to do. So I want you to set them apart and send them out. Verse 3, the Antioch church fasts and prays, then they laid their hands on Barnabas and Saul, and they sent them out. But verse 4, who, look at verse 4, who sent out Barnabas and Saul? The beginning of verse 4, being sent out by the Holy Spirit. So here's the question. Who's responsible for sending missionaries? Is it the local church, or is it the Holy Spirit? Verse 3 says that the church sent them out. Verse 4 said the Holy Spirit sent them out. So who is it? What do you think the answer is? Both. Is it the church? Yes. Is it the Holy Spirit? Yes. It's not either or. It's both and. Like we said, this Antioch church was doing an incredible job reaching their community for Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is just working in an incredible way, and they're reaching their community. But the thing is, there were people that were well beyond Antioch who had not heard the gospel. Now this is what, and maybe this is me just kind of reading too much into this, I don't know, but I think it's interesting because it's not like Chapter 13 tells us that they were having a, a meeting to strategize how they were going to go out to the people who hadn't heard the gospel before. That's not what happened. What happened? 
The Holy Spirit just did it, right? He's the, he just said, hey, I've got work for Barnabas and Saul to do. And the church was just faithful and obedient in doing exactly what the Lord had called them to do. And that's what my hope and my prayer is for us. Like I've said, I shared with you before, that's kind of what the Lord did to me. I talked to you week one about my own kind of missions testimony. The fact that I didn't used to really care about any of this stuff. Like, not really. Like I could say it was important. But I didn't really care. I just thought there's so much other work to be done right here. Like, how could I have any sort of mental or physical or emotional capacity to even think about the gospel going other places when there's so much work to be done here? That's where I was. But the Holy Spirit, so the only way I can describe it, showed me in a way that I saw it in his word, and it changed my heart. And that's what I'm praying happens for many of us in our church. And I've talked to many of you already this week who have said, yeah, that's happening in my heart right now. But the church wasn't, it wasn't like there was something like so unique about them that they were constantly strategizing about how to get to the nations. It was just the Holy Spirit said, hey, send these people out. And what did they do? They obeyed the Holy Spirit, and they sent them out. So missionary sending is by the Holy Spirit through the vehicle of the local church. And that's what we need to understand. We, need, we can't get either side of that wrong. We've got to understand both of it. It's by the Holy Spirit, which means we can get all excited about Missions Month, but we can't jump out in front of the Holy Spirit and say, okay, let's, let's go send some people that the Lord's not calling, right? It has to be the calling of the Holy Spirit. And yet... That sending cannot be apart from the local church. And this is where I think, unfortunately, a lot of churches fail to live up to the calling that they have in this regard. That a lot of times, missionaries, they feel that call from the Holy Spirit, and then they just go. They pick an agency, they go around and, and, and tell a bunch of people what they're planning on doing, and they raise support, and they go to the field, but they do not have the adequate support from their local church that they need to have in order to help them have the longevity on the field that they need to have. Because let's just be brutally honest. This is hard, right? It's been how many years since the Great Commission? Over 2,000? We still have a lot of work to do. And really, a lot of the places that are easier to reach have already been reached. So we're not only just talking about reaching people who haven't heard, we're talking about some of the hardest places in the world to go. And if a missionary just decides they're going to go without having the adequate support from the local church, what happens over and over and over again is that uh, missionaries come off the field for any number of reasons. And so what I'm proposing to us here this morning is that we be a church that sends missionaries well, that we send them in a manner worthy of God. And there's a lot of things that play, go into sending missionaries in a manner worthy of God. But it starts, here's where it starts. It starts with being a church that deeply cares about the Great Commission. It starts with being a church that deeply cares about the task that is before us and our need to go and send people to the nations. It starts there and then it morphs into a church that uses the gifts that they have to reach the nations. And this is what's so cool. God's given every single one of you a gift. You have a gift. And I pray that you're using that gift in serving our body. And part of using that gift to serve our body is using that gift to send or go to the nations. 
And so we become a church that deeply cares about the Great Commission, which morphs into us using our gifts, every single one of us. Just like we heard from Brett and Laura, they used the unique gifts that God gave them to be people who mobilized others to get to the unreached, literally mobilized them in, in, in many cases. That is the kind of church that we want to be. So here's my vision for our church, that we pray about this a lot. Like this is just a normal thing that in church services we pray, God, we know there are still many, many who have not heard the gospel. Lord, we don't know if there's some from us that you would send, but if that's your will, God, make it clear to us. I don't know if God's going to speak audibly to us or as quite as much like he did in, to the Antioch church, but we want it to be just as clear of who we're called to send. In fact, I'd love to be a church where kids and students, they just grow up like they can't remember a time where they didn't know about the Great Commission and God's heart for the nations. I want to be a church where pastors and elders and deacons take a leading role in making sure that those who we do send out are like they're theologically trained so they're not going to go and preach a false gospel. I want to be a church that has like a specific people group that we're trying to reach. And we all know where that is and we're all praying for them. Maybe we even get to the point where we're praying by name for certain peoples. I want to be a church where missionaries who want to go are tested and then they're trained and then they're affirmed and sent out. But when they send our people out, we are not going to just forget about them. We're going to send them out with ample financial resources and even more important than that, with spiritual support. Here's why I get so excited about this. You think, well, why, why do you think we can do anything like this at Rock Prairie, Pastor Mike? Here's why I think we can do something like about this at Rock Prairie. Because I've, I'm just going to be real. I've been, to, uh, been a part of a lot of churches in my life. I've never been a part of a church. I'm not just saying this. I've never been a part of a church as loving as Rock Prairie. Okay? Like the church that just people just like deeply care about each other. A place where people just drop everything to bear each other's burdens when you're going through something. Like I've never, I've seen it in a little bit in other churches. I've never seen it quite like I've seen it here at Rock Prairie. And if we can transfer that to the nations, what do you think God can do? So many missionaries sent out and their churches hardly know their names before they send them out. What if we just cared so much about who we sent out and everything that they're going through on the field that we're bearing that burden along with them so they know that they're not alone? You think they're going to have a better chance of success if we do that? Yes. So we can do this, Rock Prairie. And I think we are uniquely capable of making a great impact for the nations. And here's what's so cool is that God is already doing something here at Rock Prairie, something that happened even long before I got here and something that we've been praying about. We've talked to you a little bit about it already. But as you guys know, Rayma Abrams is our, uh, currently our children's director here at Rock Prairie, and we hired her for, I don't know, how long has it been? Where is Rayma, by the way? I don't see you right now. Where'd she go? No, she's backstage. Okay, <laughs> she's about to come out. She's a special guest, if you didn't figure that out. <laughs> so, Rayma, how long have you been children's director? Three months or so. 
She's just been killing it. She's been doing an awesome job, and uh, I've just heard so many great things about what, what she's doing. I know firsthand how much she loves your kids, and uh, she's just been really doing an amazing job. But when we hired her three months ago, we talked to you about the fact that this wasn't going to be a long-term hire because Rama's heart is eventually to go and do exactly what we've been talking about for the past month, to go and reach the unreached with the good news of Jesus Christ. And so she just graduated uh, in the spring from Bethany Global University in Minneapolis with a desire to go and reach the nations. But before she goes, we, be- we feel as a church that it is our job to make sure that we do everything that we can to send her well. And that's why she's our children's director right now, because what better place to get testing and training for ministry than within the local church, right? And especially with those snotty kids sometimes, right? <laughs> if you can see, succeed there, you can succeed anywhere. But in all seriousness, we want to have an opportunity to see Rama's gifts and see where her strengths are and see where her weaknesses are and help her grow in the gifts that the Lord has given her so that she is as prepared as possible. That's reason number one why she's our children's director right now is so that we can train her as best as we possibly can before she would go. Reason number two is because we want you guys to really miss her when she's gone. <laughs> We want her to be just so enmeshed in relationship here at Rock Prairie that it hurts us to lay, when we lay hands on her, Lord willing, and send her out. And that's when we're going to be the kind of church that sends well because we care deeply about how she's doing. And we're bought in financially, and we're bought in in prayer, and we're bought in some of you, and like, you're like calling her weekly and making sure that she's okay. That's what we want to do. And so that's why Rhema's here, and that's why uh, we're just praying for her. And we don't know if the Lord is, is, is for sure going to send her out or not, but that's the, that's the process we're in right now. And we imagine it'll be about a two-year process before she might eventually go, but we're open-handed, and we're saying, Lord, whatever you want to do, we're, we're willing to do it. And so this morning, I wanted you guys to be able to hear from Rhema a little bit and hear her heart and get to know her a little bit more and so she can talk about uh, what God's doing in her life and what she, um, Lord willing, will be doing in the future. So, Rama, go ahead and, and come on up. Thank you, everybody. It is really a blessing to be here with you guys on the last day of Missions Month, celebrating God's heart for every tribe, tongue, and nation to bring him glory. Today, I want to share with you guys a little bit about my testimony of the reason why I feel like God is calling me to go. The desire that he gave me is to share the good news to those who have never heard. I learned about missions from a young age because it was a big part of the culture of the church that I grew up in. And that's where our family answered the call to missions to go. I was eight years old when we sold everything, left our loved ones, left all our belongings, and we went on the mission field to Israel. My cross-culture experience as a kid showed me real people, real faces, and real languages. I learned what it meant to serve others before yourself, to give up the little that you have for someone in need, and I learned how to love people that were different than me. And there are so many amazing things I've learned, skills I've gained, and experiences I've had that you can only get when you go across the world. But as a missionary kid, it was really, really hard. So 
I was 11 years old when I returned to the States, and during that time, I was processing how hard it really was to be a missionary kid. And I decided that I did not want to be a missionary. I even told my mom that I never would. But God changed my heart the first year of Bible college in California. During that time, we were studying scripture for about eight plus hours a day. And when you read his word, you start to know who he really is. You understand his ways and that his ways are not like your ways. And Proverbs 16, 9 says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. And out of a heart that loves God comes the desire to serve him. And I told God that I would serve him with my whole heart, even if that means going to the hardest and darkest places so that people could know who he is. During that year, I'd felt God tug on my heart for missions, and I couldn't ignore this call that I was feeling he was placing on my life. Even though it was the beginning of my first year of Bible college, I felt God leading me towards missions. And I had no idea how I would go overseas or when, and I certainly didn't feel qualified, but I just started with simple prayer, obedience, and reading his word. And when I finished that first year of Bible college, I decided to come home and continue to pray about missions and where God would lead me next. And I spent many days and nights reading scripture and seeking God. And after a year of seeking his guidance, I felt God leading me to a missionary training school in Minnesota called Bethany Global University, where I learned more about his heart for the nations alongside other young believers who had answered the call to go. It was at this school that I realized not only how important missions was, but how important it was to reach the 7,000 people who had never heard the name of Jesus. And my school not only trained me to be a missionary, but they sent me to be a missionary during a 16-month internship overseas. On my internship, I lived in a country called the Republic of Georgia, and if you guys don't know where that is, you should look it up after service. In Georgia, I worked with the unreached people group called the Azerbaijanis, or Azeri for short. And I can't even begin to express the love God has given me for this people group. And I can't explain the urgency I felt knowing that they had never heard the gospel. It's truly amazing that God gave me a heart for a people group that I never even knew existed. And I'm so blessed that our church has come to know more about this people group and supported me in so many ways to go. And this church took part in God's plan of redeeming all nations and people groups to himself. I'm really thankful that I got to be here today and share with you a little bit about my story of why I feel the call to go. And if any of you want to ask me any questions or hear stories or if you want to see pictures about my experience living among the Azerbaijani people group, I would love to share with you. And as I finish, I just want to leave you guys with a few practical applications as you're finding what role in missions that you play. The first one is to read God's word. Psalm 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In God's word, you can truly understand his character, who he is, and have clear instructions how to live your life for the glory of God. 
his scriptures reveal his heart. And the more that you read, the more that you start to see his plans for every tribe, tongue, and nation from Genesis to Revelation. The second is to pray and seek God. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. So seek God, pray for him to reveal to you how you will partner with him and his plan to receive glory from all peoples and nations. The third and last one is to obey. Find your God-given role in missions, whether it be overseas or right here in Tipton, Indiana. Whatever God is calling to you, answer him with obedience. Many times, obeying God is very practical, like a spiritual discipline such as setting time aside each day to read his word. So, read God's word, pray, and obey. And Matthew 16, 24 says, If anyone will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So for all of you, the question isn't whether or not you're called to missions, because if you are a follower of Jesus, you are called to missions. The question is rather, what is my part in missions? And Pastor Mike is going to share with us what that looks like. Thank you. Amen. So appreciate that, Rama. Those uh, words of encouragement, and uh, just to. Uh, want to say, just to, to Rama's credit, she's just been very open-handed in all of this. Uh, she came back, like, we, like she said, she was able to spend some time in the country of Georgia with working with a certain people group and love that people group, but she's come and she says, I'm, if that's not where I'm called to go, if that's not where you think that I need to go, I'm willing to go wherever uh, the Lord's calling me to go. And that's just, that kind of open-handedness is exactly what we're uh, looking for in somebody who feels like they're called to go. So uh, just be praying, be praying that the Lord continues to give guidance and wisdom and uh, regards to Rama and uh, Lord willing, one day we'll be able to lay hands on her and send her wherever the Lord's calling her to go. Well, that said, just like Rama couldn't have set it up any better, we're, we're going to close Missions Month here this morning talking about uh, different roles that you can have because it's still, this question still might be burning in your mind, but what am I going to do, Pastor Mike? You keep saying that there's something for everyone. What am I going to do? Well, I'm going to give you some ideas right here, okay? So this might be if you want to, you can take out your little paper and follow along if you want to, uh, but we're going to go through, there's five different roles uh, that you can have, and uh, there's other things that you can kind of talk about as well, but we're going to talk about these five different roles that you can have. I'm going to talk through them and uh, just give practical ideas for if you feel like you're called to any of those roles. And like I said, at the end of the service, we're going to give you a chance to fill out that card, circle which one or two or three you think the Lord might be leading you to. It's not a commitment. We're not going to like, you're not signing up for anything necessarily, but we just want to see what God's doing on your heart this month. And so the five roles that we're going to talk about, the first one is a goer. The first role is a goer, someone who's called to go to a different culture other than their own to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the maybe the only role that you thought existed in missions before this month, but this is, a, this is an important one, right? We need people to go to another culture, and that's what, Lord willing, we're praying that Rhema uh, would be able to do that. But the important thing is, <clears throat> excuse me, it's not only your decision, okay? This is a key. So, uh, I mean, if, uh, if Kevin Dane came up to me and said, Pastor Mike, 
I've been praying about it, and I just want you to know God's calling me to be the senior pastor of Rock Prairie Church. God might be calling him to be the senior pastor of Rock Prairie Church, but we'd probably at least have some conversations before we just laid hands on him and, and gave him my job, right? Like there would be certain things we'd want to talk about first. And, and if God's calling him to do that, okay, then that, whatever the Lord wills. But we, that's kind of obvious, right, when you think about it for church. But yet when it comes to missions, we don't do any sort of vetting. We don't do any sort of training or, or, or anything. And oftentimes, we, if someone says, I'm called to missions, we just give them the green light and they, they go. And so we just need to be, make sure that this is not something that it's just only the one person's decision. We call it, there's technical terms for it, the internal and the external call. The internal call is the internal call of Kevin to say that he feels like he's called to be the senior pastor or the internal call that you feel like you might be called to go to um, become a missionary. The external call comes from people outside of you. That's not just you. And really it comes from the church. The church saying, we agree with the internal call that you have, and we believe that you are, in fact, called to go. So it takes both of those. So here's the thing I just want to say if we're, we're talking about uh, being a goer. If you feel like that might be something the Lord maybe, maybe, maybe is calling you to do, I don't want you to think you circle that and then you're just, boom, we're going to ship you out in two months. It's a long process and it is uh, something that is, uh, you can feel safe in because it's something that you're going to continue to seek the Lord and we're going to seek the Lord on your behalf. And if the Lord says no, we're going to say praise the Lord for that answer. And if the Lord says yes, we're going to say praise the Lord for that answer as well. But if you feel like you might be called to go, here's a couple of things you can do. Go to the next slide. Is, uh, first, you can pray about it. We'll be praying for you as well. Secondly, just let's talk. Just talk to me or another pastor or a life group leader or somebody, but I'd love to meet with you and talk to you about that and, and talk about what are some things that you can be thinking about even now. And then number three, which is a really great practical thing, is uh, go on a short-term mission trip. Now, I'm excited to tentatively announce I've been so, with COVID, I've been so, like, it's hard for me. i got to be honest, but... Uh, We've had to cancel uh, our Guatemala trip twice now in the past few years, and that's just been life in the world. But we have dates on the calendar. June 1st through 11th, 2022 is Lord willing, Lord willing, we're going to be able to go to and take a group to Guatemala. So it's not only if you, for people who think they want to go and become full-time missionaries, but the point is, if you're thinking about maybe doing that, this would be a great first step to say, well, how do I do, what's it like to be in a different culture other than my own? But for anyone who wants to be part of this trip, I know for many of you, we had, I think, 20-some signed up to go before. Any of you want to go again, we'd love for you, or to try to go again, we'd love for that. But uh, we are going to be giving you more information about that, but we're announcing that for the first time that we are, Lord willing, going to be going back, going, not back, we're going to be going to Guatemala uh, June 1st through 11th, 2022. And then the second trip that we're excited to announce this morning is that the students, we're going to open up for high schoolers and their parents to go to Engage Global in Minneapolis, the place that I've been talking about this month that really changed my heart in missions. We're going to send a team as well. And Craig's working on getting dates on the calendar for that summer of 2022, and he's going to be giving you more information about that. But what an awesome opportunity for you students as well as with your parents uh, to be able to go uh, to do that. So these are the two trips that we have coming up. We're, this is the first time we're announcing them and uh, we're just going to pray that the, Lord, the world is in a, a kind of state that we can do these things in the summer of 2022. That's the first role though is a, is a goer and Lord willing there would be some 
that we would send out from our church to go to the nations. But that's not the only role. Here's the second role is a welcomer. It's a welcomer. A welcomer is someone who welcomes other people groups with hospitality and love. This is someone who, uh, who lives their life intentionally and says, I'm not necessarily called to go live in another culture, but I also, the Lord has placed like other peoples and other cultures on my hearts, and I want to intentionally live my life in such a way, almost as a missionary, right here. Dustin talked about this a little bit last week, about how having eyes to see the other peoples and other international peoples that live in your area. Now, Tipton, let's, let's just be frank, Tipton is not the most ethnically diverse community. It takes one short glance around this uh, congregation to see the reality of that, and yet, at the same time, there are peoples that are not only in Tipton, but in Kokomo, in Noblesville, in Carmel, in Indianapolis, not far away. And the nations are here at our front door. And so maybe it's not right here in Tipton, but 20 minutes away is a whole lot closer than all the way on the other side of the world in a closed country. And so maybe the Lord's placing on your heart to be a welcomer. So what do you do if you're a welcomer? Well, here's just some practical things. Again, I said I was going to be real practical. Here we go. So if you're a welcomer, one thing you can do is get involved with this Exodus refugee ministry. We've talked a little bit up here about Exodus refugee ministry, but just the idea that that the Lord is bringing other peoples from other nations to our front doors, and we need to uh, see that as an opportunity for the Great Commission. And Exodus Refugee is just this incredible organization that's doing great work with refugees in Indianapolis, and there's great opportunities that we would have, maybe in your life group or something, to, uh, be, to welcome a refugee uh, here in the States. Another thing you could do is you could go, maybe a group of friends or your life group or something, and go and do, like, visit a mosque in Indianapolis or there's a Buddhist temple, or there's a Hindu center as well, and you can actually go and see what it looks like when other people are worshiping other gods, and these people would uh, be uh, happy to have you, and so if you, uh, that would be something I think it can be a really cool experience even right here just to see that not far from here, uh, people are worshiping Allah, people are bowing down to false gods and Hindu religion, um, and uh, and we can see, you can see that with your own eyes. And so that's an, something that you can do if you're a welcomer. Another thing, some of you have been welcomers. Maybe you didn't even realize that you host a foreign exchange student. That's a great opportunity to welcome the nations literally into your home and uh, having opportunities to share the gospel that way. I know some of you have testimonies from that uh, in your own lives. So that's the second role. You can be a welcomer. Here's the third role. You can be a mobilizer. Mobilize. This is someone who empowers others by helping them get personally connected to a role in missions and helping them get to the nations. This is a lot of kind of what Brett has done, Brett and Laura have done with, uh, in their role. Is he's been, like I said, literally mobilizing people to, uh, to unreached peoples through his uh, pilot and airplane mechanics. Um, but you can do that. I, this is what I feel like my main role is. It's I don't feel called to go. I've told you that. I don't think the Lord's calling me to go overseas, but I do think the Lord's calling me to help other people see that there is a role for them to play. And maybe that's your role as well. And what if you are a mobilizer. What if, what, if, what if you're called to do that? Well, there's one thing that I, I have three things on this next slide, but there's one that I really want you to see. So you can go to the next slide. What do you do if you're a mobilizer? The first one, join the nations team at Rock Prairie. Okay, so this is something, let, I want, let's say that this month has just like really impacted you in a big way. And you're just thinking, like, what can I do moving forward? We need help on the nations team to continue to equip our church for 
missions, and especially with wanting to send Rama and wanting, Lord willing, to send others behind her, it's going to be a big responsibility. And so we have at Rock Prairie, we have the neighbors team that focuses strategically on how do we reach the people in our community. We have the nations team that focuses strategically about how do we reach people to the ends of the earth. But we need help really on both of those teams if you want to be on either one. But if you feel like, man, I've just been really impacted by this month and I really want to dive in at Rock Prairie, what can I do? That's the number one thing that you can do is join the nations team. And so if that's you, let me know or mark it on your card that you'd be interested in doing that and we'll talk to you more about that. But we, that's a really great opportunity. Other things you can do, welcome a missionary to share with your life group and so they can hear more about what that missionary is doing or just looking for strategic opportunities to talk to people about missions. So that's the third role is a mobilizer. Here's the fourth is a sender. A sender, someone who supports a missionary financially to reach the unreached people group's with the gospel. Remember we saw in that video last week that 1% of our cross-cultural giving, which is just a meager percentage of our giving anyway, but 1% of our cross-cultural giving is going to reach the unreached. And so a sender is someone who sees that imbalance and says, I want to support people who are going to the unreached to uh, share the good news of Jesus Christ. It's absolutely critical. But you know, being a sender goes way beyond just finances. There's encouragement and support and prayer. So what do you do if you're a sender? So first of all, give financially is one thing that you can do for sure. But here's another thing. You maybe, again, in your life group or your every man a warrior group or a women's Bible study or whatever, like maybe you're going to adopt a missionary family that we support here at Rock Prairie and say, I just, we're just going to let them know that we love them. Like that's going to be our number one job. We'll send them maybe birthday cards. And there's, many of you have done this for our missionaries that we've supported over the years. This is not something that would be new, but something that's important to do, adopting a missionary family and just letting them know that they're loved. Also, the next one is joining a sending team. So whenever we send somebody from our congregation out to the nations, there's going to be a group of people that's going to act as their life group who's going to be intimately connected with their life as we sent them out and send them out. And they're going to meet as a life group would meet, and they're going to pray, and they're going to connect with this missionary uh, over Zoom when they're overseas, and, um, and they're going to function as their connection back to the body so that they're cared for. This is, again, something I think we can excel in as a church. So being on ascending team. And then here I'm, here's going to be the most, I know I'm sending you, giving you a lot of things here, so, but hang with me. This is going to be the most easy and practical thing I'm going to give you this whole month, okay? So we heard a missionary talk one time, and he was just sharing about some of the hard things being on the mission field. And one thing he said, it was heartbreaking, he said, oftentimes he would send out his monthly support letter, and, or like monthly email that just to people to let them know what's going on, prayer email. He said, I'd send it out like, 250 people, and I wouldn't hear a peep from anyone. Not one person would respond. I'd wonder, I'd go back and like, did this even really get sent? He'd like be looking, thinking there were technical difficulties, but um, truth is just that no one responded. And he said that, and I thought, well, I get a lot of these missionary emails. I really don't ever think to respond. It's not something I ever thought about before. He said, if there would be somebody who would just respond to that email, even just a couple, and say, hey, Praying for you. So excited for what the Lord's doing in your life. Thanks for sending the update. Just send that. It takes you two seconds, and that can mean so much. So that's just an easy, practical thing that you can do. If you're supporting a missionary, and so you're getting their monthly emails, just take a minute to hit that reply button and say, thanks for the update. I'm praying for you. It means the world. It's just a practical thing we can do to be senders who love people well who are 
uh, overseas. And then here's the last thing, and it's something that every single one of us can do. It's an intercessor, which is a fancy word for someone who prays. Intercessor, someone who prays for unreached people groups, for missionaries who go and spread the good news of Jesus to the unreached. And boy, we all need to be doing this. And let's be honest again, because Missions Month is about to come to a close. We're about to take these banners down and, and mail them back. And uh, it can be easy to forget these things, can't it? It can be easy to get on a high for missions and then go right back down. So how do we keep this right still in front of our eyes to remember? Well, there's a couple things that we can do when it comes to praying. The first is with the unreached people group cards. So do you remember week one of Missions Month, we gave you that card, and everyone had a different card, and it had the name of a people group, and gave information where they were located, how many there are, if there's any scripture in their language, how many are Christians, etc. Well, we have all those cards. Marcy's been wearing out our paper cutter over the last couple weeks, and we have uh, a whole bunch of those cards in a bowl outside of the, uh, right by the missions wall. And here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. Every once in a while, you don't have to do it every Sunday, every once in a while when you remember, on your way out, grab a card for the unreached people group. Maybe on the way home, on the drive home, you just pray for two minutes for that group. Lord, help this whatever group to send someone to them to share the gospel with them. We'll just do that. Maybe, I mean, how many of you, raise your hand. I know some of y'all are going to Jim Dandy today. Raise your hand. I know it's some of you. I see you guys in the back row there. You know, maybe you go into Jim Dandy. Hey, maybe everyone going to Jim Dandy grabs a card and we say, okay, before we go and get our food, we're just going to silently pray for this people group and then just throw the card away when you're done. And the point is that we're going to pray for every single one of these unreached people groups over however many years it takes us to pray through all of them. But it's just an easy way that we can do that, that you can grab a card, pray for them, and then just pitch the card and then grab another one the next week. And that's something that we can each do. Also, we uh, are going to have missionary cards available to you. They were supposed to be available this week, but we had some printing problems. And so uh, we're going to have cards to you that are available to you from all of our missionaries that we support at Rock Prairie. Grab one of those. You say, I'm going to pray. I'm going to make a commitment to pray for this family. Put it on your fridge and just pray. Remember to pray for them. And the last one, this is a cool one. I've heard some people that do this. Luke 10.2 says, let me find it in my notes here. It says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. I know of some people that set an alarm at 10.02 every morning to remember to pray for Luke 10.2 that the Lord would send out laborers into the harvest. So you just see that alarm go off throughout the day, and you say, Lord, you say a quick prayer. Lord, send out laborers into your harvest, God. We need people to go to the nations. And if we are a people who prays, I mean, if we can get this right, church, I know that the Lord's going to do great and mighty things through us. So I just gave you a whole, you, nobody can say that Pastor Mike didn't give me any practical ideas this month, okay? I gave you, just gave you a whole bunch. I know it's a lot to process, but right now what we're going to have you do is take those cards, and we have pens for you as well, and the Harpel family is going to come and give you pens, so raise your hand if you need a pen, and we're going to give you just a few moments here uh, to fill out that card. The first question uh, just talks about, hey, what's one thing that stuck out to you over this month? The second question is circle where you feel like the Lord might be leading you and then anything else that has struck you. Make sure you remember to put your name on the top of the card as well uh, so we can uh, kind of know just what the Lord's doing. Again, you're not signing up for anything. You're not committing to anything, but we want to know what God's been doing in your heart. So go ahead and take some time to fill out those cards, and uh, we got some pens for you if you need them. I'll close this in prayer in just a few moments. Um, the, we... Uh, we have a big task in front of us. We have a big God, amen?
Amen. Lord willing, he's going to use us in mighty ways for his kingdom. I pray that this, has been, this month has been an encouragement to you as we learn about God's heart for the nations. As you leave, we're going to have you go ahead and hand the cards to um, somebody, at, to uh, people at the door, and, uh, and we'll collect those that way. Again, make sure you have your name on that, and, uh, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing what the Lord's been doing in your hearts over these past uh, several weeks. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. God, you're so good to us. Again, we are just in awe. The way that you use flawed people like us for your purposes, for your glory. So we thank you, God. What a privilege it is to be a part of your work, God. May we just continue to be a more and more faithful church, a more and more faithful bride as we reflect the love of Jesus in this community and to the ends of the earth, Lord. So uh, help us to know our role in fulfilling the Great Commission. Strengthen us in that, God. Equip us, stretch us, challenge us, change us, mold us, shape us into the people that you are calling us to be. And thank you for your grace. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, don't forget to grab an Unreached People group card if you want to pray on the way out. And uh, know that uh, it's been great to worship the Lord together this morning. I love you, Rock Prairie. You're dismissed.